Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cleveland State University Psychology Club podcast, another episode of Season 3, today with clinical psychology graduate student Cheyenne Horner. Um, I know, Zion, I had a lot of fun speaking with her, and I think this episode, um, compared to some of the other ones of this podcast, um, is just so full of incredible information that I know that the majority of our listeners, being undergraduate students, can absolutely learn from. And I know, as an undergraduate myself, seeking um, a master's degree in the future, and hopefully a doctorate program um, beyond that, I learned so much from Cheyenne today. I 100% agree. I think uh, I think this episode specifically is going to be great for a lot of our listeners because it kind of tackles, like you said, it tackles the beast that is graduate school. And you know, as someone who's also thinking about, you know, pursuing a master's and possibly a PhD, um, you know, being in grad, undergrad right now, you kind of focus on, you kind of like narrow tunnel vision on what you're doing currently. You really don't think that far ahead. And I feel like this episode kind of prompts you to think about those things, but like not to stress you out, but to give you a more realistic view. Some people think that, you know, graduate school isn't that important. And there's people who like hammer it home and make it seem like this horrifying thing. But what Cheyenne had to say actually was very interesting and it was very realistic. And I think I learned a lot and I think our listeners will too. Absolutely. We're going to touch on some topics such as your course loads as a graduate student, um, your to-do list, what your responsibilities look like, um, a possible time frame. you know, like how much time do you have to spend, um, in between assignments, in between your own independent—excuse uh, me—independent projects, um, a lot of great things about graduate school. So, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Psychology Club podcast, and we'll introduce you now into Zach Zion and Cheyenne Horner. Thank you for listening. Hi, Cheyenne. Thank you so much for being with us today. I wanted to ask you a little bit about. What graduate school is? What What is that all about? I know most of our listeners are most likely undergraduate students at CSU or just anywhere else in the area or whatever it may be, but I'm just curious, what, what, what is graduate school? What does it mean to be a graduate student? Hey, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. Um, so grad school is a really big step in everyone's career. Um, and, you know, undergraduate's kind of this four-year degree, you graduate with your bachelor's, and then if your field needs it, you can go on to graduate school. Graduate school is just extra training in your specialty or in your field that gives you either a master's or a doctorate. Um, right now, I'm in my master's, so that's a two-year program, and then at the end of that, I'll have my master's in clinical psychology, which just as I extra training. A lot of times with master's, you're eligible for more licensures than you would be as a bachelor's level student. Although um, a lot of people can go on and get their doctorates, which is usually five to six more years. You get a philosophy of science, which is like a PhD. Um, so it's not like a medical doctor, but you still get to be called doctor, which is really cool. And that's just more training, more internships, and a lot more reading. Yeah, I can only imagine the the more reading. And uh, I think being called a doctor or having that extra title uh, is definitely some of the draw appeal. At least I, w- I would love to be, you know, referred to as doctor or something. Not the driving force, but definitely something like a nice little byproduct of it. Um, nice thing, like on the door somewhere, this doctor yeah. in your name. Absolutely. You kind of mentioned you're um, a student in clinical psychology. So I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about what it means to be a master's student in clinical psychology, maybe as opposed to anything you know about other graduate programs in other fields of psych, maybe like in 
health psychology or social psychology. I know it's kind of a, a larger field. So maybe any differences you know, and kind of to elaborate on that, what kind of work do you do? What are you studying? What is your research as a part of um, your work in being a clinical psychology graduate student? Yeah, of course. So um, I guess the easiest way is here at Cleveland State, we have a few different psychology master's programs. So we have the clinical psych program, like I said, we have the experimental research program, which I think they're rebranding into like a general psychology program. We have industrial and organizational psychology, as well as school psychology. So all these are just kind of different sects of psychology, different ways of approaching like human behavior and things like that. So clinical psychology is more concerned with like mental disorders and mental illness and things like that, that kind of affect your emotions, your behaviors, how you perceive the world, how you interact with it and things like that versus like general psychology, at least here, they're more worried about like statistics and experimental methods and kind of finding ways to do experiments in different and like, you know, cool ways. The IO program, so the industrial organizational psychology kind of takes a business lens to psychology. So I asked like, what can we learn from the business world and apply it to psychology and vice versa? Like how can we apply different psychological concepts to business to predict like how coworkers feel about their boss and how that like improves like quality at a job and job satisfaction, things like that. So then school psychology is concerned with like little munchkins. So like the kids in school, so like how they're doing, can we help to assist them in any different way, like intelligent testing, things like that. So psychology is this really broad term that encompasses a lot of different things and it's just whatever path you kind of take. So here in the clinical psychology program at Cleveland State, um, it's kind of a over, big overview of clinical psychology, which in itself has so many different avenues. Like you said, there's health psychology, there's geriatric clinical psychology, child and adolescent clinical psychology, adult psychology, severe psychology, things like that, that you can go neuropsychology. We have a few neuropsychologists on staff here. Um, but we kind of look at it generally here at Cleveland State. And then within your own research lab, you can go more defined. So personally, I investigate borderline personality disorder and emotion dysregulation. So kind of this idea that you have really extreme emotions that you can't control and finding the different ways for individuals with borderline personality disorder to control their emotions. Specifically, I kind of look at it through like using body techniques. So like your eyes, how uh, big do your pupils get when you get really excited or how fast does your heart race? and using those to inform later therapeutic interventions that we could use to calm the body that would then in turn calm the emotion. Okay, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's I loved hearing about all that. It kind of sounds like when you get into graduate school, you have an opportunity to pursue things that are much more geared towards your interests as opposed to like whatever kind of course load you're given. Would that be kind of like a fair statement to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in grad school, you take research credits, which is basically you just researching whatever you want. And those are my favorite things, honestly. The courses are cool. I learned some things, but in graduate school, your courses are definitely on kind of the bottom of your list of things you should be worrying about. Like you attend them, you do your work, although it's 
nothing that's going to take up the majority of your time. Your research should be taking up so much of your time. It should be something that you're really excited about. Um, I know I'm super excited about my research. It's something that I love doing and it really motivates me to come to campus every day. That way I can just get back into it and keep learning more and more about it. it uh, it's interesting that you say like with the courses, like, you know, you mentioned how like they're more defined and how it isn't what takes up most of your time. I, I do, I am curious as like, how big are the like courses usually or like how big are the, the class sizes? So like, you know, in undergrad, like, you know, I think the biggest class I had was like in the lower I, like it was in the lecture halls and like 200 people plus and everything. How big like do the classes usually get in grad school? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, graduate school is usually dependent on a cohort model. So you come in as a cohort with about, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 people usually. And then your cohort throughout the entirety of um, your graduate training, you go to each class together, you take the exact same course load every single class. So my cohort has 14 people right now, which is one of the largest cohorts that the clinical psychology program has ever had. Um, usually we have somewhere between like five to 10 here because it's a smaller program. Although we all, you know, we take the same amount of classes each semester, we go to class, things like that. It's definitely different from undergrad. You don't see different faces in each of your different classes. You have the same professors in graduate school. You have like the same three professors that just teach you everything, um, which is interesting because you can kind of learn how they teach. And like, hopefully it's a good thing. Hopefully you like the way they teach. So you can kind of teach yourself to expect what's coming in later courses. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not the focus in graduate school because it's just, the idea is that, okay, you have some level of mastery. Now these are just refining your skills and things like that instead of, you know, eventing the wheel all over again and reteaching you everything. I like that. I kind of like, you know, and also it kind of helps build a rapport with the same professors. So like, you know, you can have a better relationship with them. Like just, I feel like it'd be easier like and better to learn because, you know, one of the things I struggle with like every semester is like, trying to build like a good student professor relationship and you know not you're not sure like you know how well you'll jive with them but that's kind of cool like like you said hopefully you like the people you're with in graduate school but I, I find that interesting that you know you kind of have the same professor so like you know what to expect so I like that absolutely I did my undergraduate here at Cleveland State and um, you can take graduate courses as an undergraduate at Cleveland State, which is really cool. So I took the one staff course my senior year um, and I had Dr. Yaroslavsky and he continued to follow up with me even after that class, asked me like, what are your goals? Are you going to graduate school? What are you doing? And like now he's my thesis mentor and my chairperson on my thesis, which is really awesome. But, you know, just having that continuity of people that you can connect with, they kind of know you, they understand, they'll reach out outside of class, which is really nice. Um, it's, that's definitely one of the perks of graduate school. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most is being able to develop those connections with professors. Um, even outside of that professor-student relationship, it becomes a little bit more personal. You learn more about them. I don't want to say you become like, friends, but it's definitely more friendly than an undergraduate professor and a student. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I can I can only imagine that when you're interacting with your professors when you're in a uh, graduate program, it's probably much more content based as opposed to like just standard undergraduate formalities such as going through the syllabi and then just getting through the um, the schedule of the course. So it's sort of I think it's definitely exciting to consider a life in graduate school if you're interested in that path where you're more focused on the things that you actually care about as opposed to your test taking ability or your ability to recognize information for 12 hours so you can take the test and then forget it you know so kind of elaborating more on your journey through graduate school i was curious to hear cheyenne maybe the time frame through your undergraduate experience of when you thought about graduate school and when you thought about it in a light of okay this is a possibility for me this is something that i'm actually interested in and furthermore kind of what were your first steps that you started to take once you realized that about yourself and you're like okay i definitely want to go this way this is the route for me. What are the first few things that I can do to make sure that this is something in my future? Yeah, so I'll just say off the bat, my story is pretty unlike most people's story. Um, I did two years of college while I was in high school. So when I came to CSU as a freshman, I was technically at a junior standing and I only had two years left to complete my bachelor's. Um, I knew in psychology, I think once you become it, like in psychology, everyone's like, oh, you can't do anything with a bachelor's in psychology. That's something I've been told for years and years now. Um, so I always knew that I had to do something afterwards. There had to be something. Like I had to start making this plan. Um, and so when I came in the summer before I came in, I knew I wanted to do the psychology undergraduate honors program. And so I kind of worked with my academic advisor, talked to um, her about that to figure out, okay, who could be a good thesis mentor for this? I cold emailed everyone in the department, begging them to let me into their lab, um, which was a really interesting take, not something I would generally advise against, like for. Um, find people you're actually interested in because then you get pulled into meetings talking about research that you don't care about. Um, and it was interesting because as a first year student here at Clinton State, I could care less about research. I thought I wanted to practice therapy and that's all I wanted to do. Um, my kind of view was that this is a stepping stone for where I need to go next. And it's just something I have to check off my box and I can be done with it. So the only person who actually let me in their lab was Dr. Allard. Um, kind of after I showed up to his office and, you know, begged him to let me be in his lab, told him my sad story about how I needed to be in a lab or I wasn't getting to graduate school if I didn't. Um, but no, he was, you know, very welcoming, let me into the lab. And I, I told him right away, I was like, I don't want to do research. Don't make me like research. Don't try to get me to like research. It's nothing personal. I'm just not a research person. Um, and I started on a project with a graduate student and I quickly became enamored by research, um, specifically by eye tracking. That's something that we mainly do in Dr. Allard's lab. And I started to develop my thesis and I was like, wow, this is something like I really, really enjoy doing and I could make a career out of it. And I end up, um, like I said, took statistics with Dr. Yaroslavsky, who kind of talked about the clinical program. I got to talk to some of the clinical psychology graduate students at the time. Um, and then talking with Dr. Allard, I realized this was something I wanted to pursue. For PhDs, um, coming out of undergrad, it's harder to get into a clinical PhD 
the acceptance rate across the board is less than 2% for acceptance, which is actually, it's harder to get into a clinical PhD than it is to get into med school right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so I knew I wasn't ready to take that step for the PhD. And that was something that Dr. Allard really, really helped me to see that I wasn't ready and was like, that's fine that you're not ready. Let's take this extra step and get you prepared to do that. So if anyone's considering graduate school, find a faculty member to kind of mentor you through it. I would not have known about anything if I didn't have Dr. Allard throughout my undergraduate training. And he's honestly the person, he's the reason why I'm here today. He's the reason why I know about this program and why I like research. If I didn't have his mentorship, I probably would have just graduated undergrad and then I don't know where I would have been, but not here. So that's my biggest piece of advice is finding a faculty member that you can like vibe with and that you like their research and they like you. They'll write you good letters of rec and just overall be a great mentor to you. I'm definitely getting like an overall message of just how diverse the the routes can be to how you can get to one place. You don't have to go down, I guess, the yellow brick road for lack of a better term to get to that one place. There's so much equifinality to get from point A to point B. And that's kind of reaffirming, especially for, for people, um, I could say like myself on occasion that maybe feel some imposter syndrome thinking... I don't know how I got here. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's somebody else better qualified, but it's it's definitely reaffirming. And I'm sure for a lot of people listening to think, maybe I can. I didn't think that I was in a position, but um, giving my my wacky scenario, but I think that I, I think I'm in a position to succeed now. So I think that those words that you that you're giving a shine are definitely helpful to some to somebody listening. And kind of on that route of um, what you were saying of like how almost how difficult it is to get into a clinical. Uh, psychology PhD nowadays, and I've definitely heard that stripe of um, the the med school and the law school uh, comparison before. So if if an applicant wanted to sort of get an edge up, whether it be through a master's program or a doctorate program, what would you recommend to somebody to help? Like what experiences could they get? What courses could they take to kind of bolster up the strength of their application? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the first thing I would say is make sure clinical PhD is actually what you want. Um, there's a lot of kind of confusion about the difference between clinical and counseling PhDs because, you know, in essence, they seem the same. They both deal with mental illness, mental disorders, mental health, what have you. Um, you, bo- you both get, you know, your doctorate, you're a licensed psychologist at the end. So, you know, what, what's kind of the main difference? So counseling PhD is focused on therapy and not so much research. Um, versus clinical PhD, the idea that is when you graduate with your clinical PhD, you're going to get an academic job after that. You're going to go be a professor at a university. You're going to have a research lab. You're not going to do therapy. You're going to be licensed to do therapy, what you do. Um, And so thinking about that is something that's kind of interesting. So you're like, what is my end goal? And I always try telling people this, what's your end goal? If you want to do therapy, there are way easier ways to do therapy than to be a doctor. You can get your LSW. You can get a mental health counseling license here at CSU. You can do so many different things that won't put you thousands of dollars in debt, make you five to six years out from your career goals just to be able to do therapy. Same with research. You are more than able to do research, you know, as an undergraduate. It's just what kind of research do you want to do? Do you want to be in charge? Or are you okay being like a lab manager or a lab assistant? Things like that. 
So for clinical PhDs to get in then, um, the biggest thing, so they kind of use a screening process. So they take your GPA and your GRE score to screen out because most universities have about 400 applicants per cycle. And so they can't interview all 400 applicants. Usually about 40 applicants get invited to come to the interviews and then about 10 get accepted from there. Um, so making sure that your GPA is good, taking extra courses if you need to um, kind of bolster up your undergraduate GPA. If you have a master's degree, your GPA doesn't count really because you can't compare a master's and a bachelor's GPA, especially because in your master's program, the thought is you got an A, you didn't earn the A because you know, your professors just let you slide. They give everyone an A. They know how it is at PhD programs. They're not, you know, they're not in the dark about it. And so getting the GRE scores up, you know, I am not a fan of the GRE whatsoever, although it is something that is very mandatory. You should have at least 50% percentile, if not higher, for a clinical PhD. And then after that is when things start to become really important. So you have to have letters of rec, and that's probably one of the most important things. So you usually ask people like faculty members who know you, who've worked with you, who kind of know your skill set, things like that, to write you a letter of rec. I went asked just a professor I had a class with once to write me a letter of rec. Um, and making sure each letter of rec is gonna be strong and that the person is willing to write you a nice letter of rec. Like a one page letter of rec is not strong. Just saying this person's nice and they're a hard worker. Well, I mean, everyone's nice and everyone's a hard worker. Um, what are those specialties and those skills that you've really defined and refined and that this person can see that you've worked on that they can talk about? Um, so that's when in your undergraduate, making connections with faculty members becomes so, so important whether you're in like general psychology, like psych 101, whatever, talk to your professor after class for a few minutes. Say like, hey, do you have a lab? What kind of research are you doing now? Try to open that up. Ask if you can come to their office hours. I know kind of in the crazy time we live with right now, you can't pop in and have a coffee with them. Although ask them to meet you over Zoom. Um, talk to graduate students in their labs. Graduate students are going to be one of the best ways to get your foot in the door in a research lab because we can advocate for you and like kind of convince the PI to let you in. Um, and then your essay. So you have a statement of purpose that gets you into a clinical PhD. A lot of times people were like, I want to change the world. Everyone wants to change the world. That's nothing surprising. I want to cure depression. You can't cure depression. We know this, we've tried it. Um, making sure that your goals aren't too ambitious and that they're attainable and kind of convincing the program why you are the best fit there for them. Um, you know, every student is smart. There are people that are gonna be smarter than you and that's okay, but why do you fit the best? And why would you and this mentor that you're applying to fit the best? And that's also something people don't realize about PhD programs is it's not school-based like undergraduate. So I know picking my undergraduate, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, but I picked CSU because it had a close Starbucks 
and I grew up on a farm where the nearest Starbucks was 40 minutes away. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can walk to Starbucks now. <laughs> and that's how I picked to come to CSU as my undergraduate degree. Um, you can't pick PhDs like that. Or if you do, you're probably not going to have great luck getting in. Um, it's really a mentor-based model. So you have to find mentors who your research and their research really align. And you apply to them. You don't apply to the school. Um, finding someone who knows this and knows the in and out of the clinical PhD game is going to be your best bet and your biggest treasure for getting into a PhD. You know, your answers there kind of, uh, they, they even like kind of like, you know, bled into the next one, like the next question about like what people like freshmen and sophomores can do, think, like thinking about graduate school down the line. So, um, before we like, you know, pass up on that, is there anything else besides, you know, like finding a mentor or like kind of getting some kind of advice from per, like certain professors? Is there anything else you would like to add on to that? Like for people relatively newer to the college experience? If you even could imagine, that was such an amazing answer. That was so in-depth and outstanding. Yeah, if you could possibly fathom adding more to that. I mean, getting involved like psychology club is an awesome resource obviously you guys are amazing um getting connected with you because there's even people you know in this club that have been in labs going to the research days on campus that way it's a little bit more talkable you know you have food you have drinks you can walk up talk to the person ask about their research see who their mentor is and reach out to them that way um yeah, just any at any point you can reach out to either graduate school students or the lab directors is going to be your best bet. Um, all the labs are on CSU psychology department's website and you can see each graduate student what they research they have their email listed there. Um, shoot them a quick email like it doesn't hurt to be like hey I saw you on this, you know, the department's website I just wanted to see what your research is about. Not only is it going to boost our ego, and I'm not saying this because I would love an ego boost, but graduate students generally love helping undergraduates because it's always kind of that, who would I want when I was an undergrad? And I always think about that, like, what kind of mentor, like a peer mentor, would I want as an undergraduate? And a lot of grad students are like that. So don't be afraid to email them. That's nice to hear. Um... I know even I can think progressively into the future when hopefully I'm participating in my own experience with a master's program, thinking back to now what, what I want. It's kind of, I'm jumping back and forth between timelines, thinking about how I would want to help people like myself right now. So I absolutely I hear you there. Moving into one of our last questions, Cheyenne, I wanted to ask you a couple things about how you would compare your undergraduate experience to your graduate experience. And I know that you've had like you said, two years as opposed to uh, most people probably would experience like four or five or possibly three of like getting their bachelor's degree. So I guess there's, there's a couple things. So they don't need to be incredibly lengthy. They don't need to be incredibly short, however you feel fit. I'm curious, first of all, um, you kind of already touched upon it earlier, the course loads of being a graduate student. And I know you kind of mentioned that that the classes are a little easier and they're kind of on the bottom of your to-do list. You're not too focused on them, but maybe you could speak on them a little bit without the comparison of like your undergraduate. Like if you were to, if you were to tell somebody exactly what you do in any given class, kind of what would that look like? Yeah. So um, for example, this semester I'm taking a personality class um, and we meet 
you know, once a week we have a lecture that the professor gives and then that's kind of it. We don't have homework that much. Um, we do have tests, which is unusual for a graduate course. Um, this is the first class outside the statistics classes that I've ever had to take a test in. Um, most of the time it's just discussion based or it's students teaching. So that's a big kind of theme in graduate courses as well is students are more likely to be the ones teaching you material than the professor. So a lot of times students have to give presentations, which everyone's like, ah, I don't want to do it. But honestly, I think you learn a lot more from your peers um, just because they're able to break it down in a way that professors who know all this material, who are just regurgitating it to you, can't. Um, and then discussion. So a lot of our classes are purely discussion based. We meet twice a week and we just discuss whatever we read. Um, and so graduate courses are designed to push you to think more critically rather than to see what you can memorize. We know you can memorize things, but can you apply them differently? You know, I, I really like that actually, because I'm not trying to knock undergrad, like the undergraduate like programs here, but like, I feel like there isn't like that much application when it comes to this and like not that much like to spark your critical thinking. It's more just like, here's what you need to know for the test. Make sure you can like, you, know, you just make sure you memorize it like you were saying. And I really do like the whole, it's more discussion based, you know, how does this apply to the real world in the field? And like, how does it affect you? And like, how could you use it in your everyday interactions in your life? So I really do, I think that's like refreshing. And I feel like that's what a lot of people kind of want just in, like in any field really when it comes to college because I know like I, one thing that always bothered me is just like you know I had to do a lot of like memorization and studying like as it was back in high school I want to like actually like learn things and like you know apply them so I'm, I'm really excited about the like, to experience that in graduate school I'm glad it's more like that yeah and I think the kind of you know in one year out the other um Thing that happens in undergraduate isn't beneficial to anyone. Um, the professors get upset because students aren't retaining this knowledge and the students get upset because it's like I'm paying out thousands and thousands of dollars to just memorize things, yell it on a page real fast and then never you know like remember it. Mm -hmm. I can pick out distinct conversations I've had in classrooms of things I've learned that I will hold on with me forever. I can't tell you what I learned in my neuroscience class in undergrad. Like, so yeah, it's definitely a model that I align with really well. I know not everyone loves it, although I, I mean, I love to talk, so I really like discussion groups. So, yeah. See, I'm the same way. I, you know, and that kind of comforts me because like, I'm the same way. Like, you know, I can talk about topics and like, you know, you know explain what they are but like I can't really like go into the the minutia of details because you know it's like I kind of just memorize that stuff so I can get a passing grade in the exam or the paper but you know I always kind of felt like kind of like the black sheep of the group where like people are like talking about all these like very specific um topics and I'm just kind of there like yeah I mean I, I memorized it but I can't it's gone now so I'm glad that it's more like application based in graduate school so kind of uh, off that a little bit um you mentioned earlier like the the to-do list i guess so to say with the classes being on the bottom 
um, when it comes to like your responsibilities as a graduate student, and I'm, I understand there's tremendous variance depending on your program and, and what you decide to get yourself involved with, but what is on your list of, of responsibilities that you see maybe like any given semester? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a really big question. So I guess kind of at the top of, you know, my big to-do list would be my research. Um, so I have a graduate assistantship in Dr. Yaroslavsky's lab for 20 hours a week. So I get paid to do research here. Um, I'm on several different projects that I'm the project lead. So just making sure that, you know, the research is going how it's going, training people, you know, things like that. And then over in Dr. Allard's lab, I'm still doing things with my undergraduate honors thesis, as well as I've started to take on more of a mentorship role over there. Um, I've mentored two high schoolers over the past year, and I took on a undergraduate honor student like myself. Um, and I've mentored them throughout their writing process, you know, trying to think of their research project, things like that. So those are kind of up there on my to-do list. Those are things I think about every single day and I have to work towards in some capacity. Um, next up, I guess, would be kind of right now applying to PhD programs. And for people who aren't applying to PhD programs, trying to figure out where in the industry are they going or kind of what's next. So that's something that's always really has to be present. It's like, okay, you know, I'm comfortable in graduate school right now. And if I could, I wouldn't leave because I, I like it here. I know what I'm supposed to do, what's expected of me, but I always have to think about the next thing. And I have to make sure that I'm working every day towards that. After that, um, in the clinical psychology program, at least we have to do an internship during our second year. So that takes up about 16 hours of my week. I work at St. Vincent's Charity Medical Center where I'm an intern there. Um, and so that's a pretty big you know, thing kind of on its own. I have to think about you know, patients I've seen and you know, diagnostic pictures and everything like that. And even within that, I have to hold on to all this information because when I go to apply for licensure after my PhD, I have to count these hours that I did and I have to recall every single patient I saw, who they were, what was going on, what did I do with them? So that's something that I'm always trying to work at to make sure in six years I'm not calling Dr. Yaroslavsky crying because I can't get my licensure because I forgot a patient's, you know, like hair color or something silly like that. Um, and then I would say, yeah, probably um, classes are after that where it's kind of like, don't work very, I don't wanna say I don't work hard on them. I don't spend a lot of my energy on them. I do enough to get me through and that is it. It seems like a pretty reasonable way to go about things considering the, the um, I guess the depth of the top of your to-do list, how, how far those things go and how, how grateful, um, how great those things are and how impactful they are. Moving on slightly to the time and intensity. What is, um, I know you kind of said like, you got like the um, spending 16 hours a week or so at St. V's. So I guess that kind of covers the time things. If you wanted to add more, please feel free. But do you feel like you're just scrambling every week to try and even get enough sleep in? Or do you feel like things are kind of a little bit more well-paced and, um, you're, you're able to live like a healthy lifestyle while also being a graduate student. Yeah, um, I was just having a discussion about this this morning. So this semester has definitely been more pressure than anything I've ever felt academically. Um, 
so on top of the 16 hours on my internship, I work another 20 hours in um, Dr. Yaroslavsky lab with another nine hours in Dr. Allard's lab. And then I also have a job at a restaurant, a local restaurant. So I usually work there for about 15 to 20 hours a week as well. So trying to find time for anything is definitely something that um, has been difficult. And I'm, I'll admit it, I'm not great with boundaries. I don't have a work-life balance. I have a work and then a work-at-home balance where I can finally put on Netflix and my pajamas, but I still have my laptop in front of me. I'm still doing things. Um, so I would say I usually work at least 12-hour days and then a little bit more once I go home. Graduate school is a job. I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, it is a job, and it's a job that you take home with you, unfortunately. So you never get that disconnect. I'm still answering emails. I'm still sending emails. I'm doing everything. Um, and that's something I urge people to be better than I am at, at, at. find things, find hobbies. I don't have any hobbies. Um, walking to Starbucks is my hobby. So just taking a little bit of time for yourself each day in graduate school is so important before you burn out. Um, you know, the to-do list is never done. It's never going to be done. Um, I saw something the other day that was like, you need to figure out what balls are rubber and which balls are glass. Uh, which balls can you drop and they're rubber and you can pick them back up and which balls are glass and you drop them and they're going to break. And this is something that really, you know, resonated with me. It was something that I make myself think about every single day because I'm one of those persons that I'm like every ball that I hold is glass and if I drop any ball it's going to break and I will just have a big mess to clean up versus now I'm trying to learn like you know some balls are rubber and it's okay to drop them and pick them back up like no one's going to be mad at you um, that you slept in for 30 minutes and you went and got coffee like it's okay um, along the same lines as that is just communication so telling you know your mentor or whoever hey this week really sucks and you know it's okay that it sucks and next week I will be better but I just need to know and let you know that I'm going to pick it back up and that I just need a little bit of time to collect myself and keep going because viewing graduate school as every ball is glass and anything I drop is going to break and I have so much more work to do is not sustainable. Um, in academia everything is just going to keep going on. There is a to-do list that is endless and it's never going to end even as much as you push and push and push. So just trying to find a balance and trying to make sure you're taking time for yourself is something that's extremely important. I think that our entire time talking together, I've definitely gotten uh, such a diverse set of information than all of it being helpful, whether it being kind of describing how students can figure out what they want to do if that path entails graduate school and then if it does, figuring out what the next steps are and what program is right for you. And then you also touched um, greatly on um, what it's like to be a graduate student, because I think so often, and on this podcast, we've almost exclusively interviewed professors from Cleveland State or local universities that um, have uh, exclusively have doctorate degrees. And so I think that have, spending some time speaking with you has been enlightening for myself, somebody who is interested in graduate school and the deadlines for applying in the future are, are kind of inching up. And I know that um, I'm not the only one. I know that our listeners are going to most likely be playing this episode uh, over and over again to think, okay, I want to make sure I get this right. 
what's the right step to take? What is Cheyenne doing? So I think that everything we touched on today through the course loads, the responsibilities that you face in your to-do list and how wonderful it is that things are structured so differently as opposed to your undergraduate degree and how you get to be closer with faculty members. And as you kind of treat them and they treat you with mutual respect, not saying that your undergraduate lecturers aren't doing that, but you kind of get to speak to them more on a personal level, I would, I would predict. And so, um, I think you did a, Cheyenne, I think you did a great job of kind of giving us the appeal of graduate school while also keeping a very realistic, um, set of expectations. And so, um, Kind of ending on that, I'm curious if, one, you have anything else you'd like to add, maybe about uh, your story like you mentioned before, or anything else about graduate school you want an undergraduate to know. Kind of thinking back to the analogy of, like, you know, how would you want help if you were an undergraduate? And also, one question we'd love to uh, finish every podcast with um, is ending by asking our guests, what motivates you? And what is what is keeping you in the field of psychology? Like, what what is your passion behind all of these things? Yeah, so um, I guess my kind of what I would want to know as an undergrad or what I'd want any undergrad to know is graduate school is possible for everyone. Um, Just because, you know, you don't have the highest GPA or you didn't do great in your classes, that doesn't matter in graduate school. What matters in graduate school is that you have passion to do what you're doing and that you have drive and motivation. Those are going to be the things that get you through grad school. Um, my story is definitely crazy and most unlike anyone who's going to be listening to this so please don't feel like you had to be crazy like me and at 18 join all these research labs and just be over the top about everything take your time it's okay school will always be here figure out what you want to do first um don't go into grad school blind know what you're getting into know what your program entails and know what you want to do I feel like a lot of times undergraduates think that grad school is just the next step. It's scary to be in the world, real adult world. Um, I can just keep going to graduate school and, you know, you know, defer my loans, you know, appease mom and dad. I can be in school. I'm comfortable here. But is that what you want to do? If it's not something that you absolutely want to do, you're going to be miserable. And there is no sense in making yourself miserable for thousands of dollars that you're paying to make yourself miserable. Um, But if it's something that you're really passionate about, go for it. Like, absolutely go for it. Graduate school and pursuing this line of training has been one of the best and easiest decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, What motivates me? So research is something that really, really motivates me. Um, specifically investigating, you know, motion dysregulation. I always try to think, how could my research potentially one day help, a, you know, a therapist develop a therapy line that could help someone with their emotional problems and just make people's lives better. I also think it's something that I want to be a mentor to people. So I want to be a professor eventually. And I want to emulate the traits that Dr. Yaroslavsky and Dr. Allard have given to me as a mentor. And I want to be that for someone else. And that's something that kind of motivates me daily is I love the research that I do. And just knowing that at the end of the day, that's a job I get to have is so exciting to me. And that's what gets me out of bed each morning. Cheyenne, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm.